Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adil Omarcy Unplugged. And today we are joined by a really cool guest that reached out to me from a uh, life, well, from lifegrid.com.au, uh, which is an Australian online magazine. They're absolutely brilliant. They have like a wider range of people. But the person that reached out to me is none other than Gwenda May Smith. Now, Gwenda May Smith reached out to me um, after I put up an ad about like getting people on the show because I really wanted to work with a few, uh, with just a few people from there. And her story is quite powerful. We're going to get into that in a moment. But before we get into any of this, as always, got to give a quick shout out to the sponsor of the show. This show is brought to you and sponsored by Adelamarcy.com. And this episode is brought to you by shapechanger.com.au. Check that site out. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. I've just had a look there myself. And with that being said, Gwenda, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Adel. It's lovely to be here. I'm glad that you could make it. By the way, guys, the cat is awake and walking around. He will probably meow. So if you hear that in the background, it's not a child, uh, as always. <laughs> Just, yeah, you guys know what's up. So, cool. Tell me more about your story because, like, honestly, we don't actually know each other all that well. From what I actually know is that you've actually been a speaker um, and teacher for a very long time. You used to be a theater nurse um, that, you know that's paved the way for actually basically understanding like how people have a necessary pain in their life and how to deal with it. How did you make that transition from like someone that was a theater nurse to what you do today, which is essentially, if I'm not mistaken, is someone that helps people overcome pain. That is um, a very good way of putting my work. Adil, I, um, I do look at a lot of people that think that they need to suffer that think that they need to be in the pain that they've got or that they need to have the injury that they've got and they become um, consumed by the injury, the pain, the disease or the illness. So um, it's been quite some time now since I was in the theatres of, um, of the hospitals. But if I can um, take you down the path of what really caused me to end up where I am now. Yeah, so thank you. Um, we had a lady come to the, the operating table and she was to have an abdominal tumour removed. Now, these days it's sad to see that um, the amount of tumours being re removed is, is all too common, but then, I'm talking in the 80s, it wasn't that common, not like now. But this lady had this abdominal tumour, so um, a little bit of uh, physiology. <laughs> when you cut through the skin, you go through the skin, you go through the fat layer, you come down to the muscle layer, and around the abdominal area, you get down to a beautiful organ called the augmentum. And the augmentum is like a shield, um, and it protects all of your internal organs, especially your vital organs all of the abdomen and ordinarily the augmentum is really pretty it's like a soft baby pink it has loads of capillaries and things running through it but when we got down to this lady's augmentum it was all gray and lumpy hmm. and yeah I looked at it like yeah with that mm, expression and thought oh dear I haven't seen one look like that before and the surgeon said suture up and that meant we were closing her and I looked at him and you never ever questioned a surgeon but I looked at him and he said well you can see the same thing as me 
this lady has 14 days to live. And I don't know how you're feeling right now, but um, I've never forgotten the feeling I had when the surgeon said that. And I thought, why, why did he say 14 days? Why didn't he say 30 or three months? Or how could he say 14 days? So my mind was reeling with that. And then he went on to say that he wanted the ward to let him know when she was awake enough to speak to and he wanted me to go with him. And now that was never seen before or known before and I was quite taken aback. But as again, you don't question a surgeon or you didn't then. <clears throat> so we got the call and he told me on the way to see her that he wanted me to hold her hand as he delivered her news. And I was only a young nurse then with two young children. Um, I would have been 22, 23 years of age. Okay. So yeah. that was really quite perplexing for me. But anyway, off we went. So she wasn't conscious like you are now. She was extremely groggy. She was only awake enough to know that the surgeon was speaking to her. Your senses are incredible and her senses were telling her that something wasn't right and she was trying hard to fight her way past the anaesthetic, uh, the anaesthetic drugs, trying to keep her eyes open and you could see when she'd have them open that there was panic and quizzical look. And the, I held her hand and the surgeon said to her, when you're fully awake, I want your husband to take you home. So you can imagine the confusion and she looked from me to him and her eyes would drop closed again and he said, and then I want you to come back on the eighth day because on by the eighth day you are going to be extremely unwell. And again, my mind was just racing like, where's he getting this timeline from? And then he said to her, while you are home, enjoy the time with your family, meet with your friends and be sure to have everything in order. You have 14 days to live. And that was it. And so by then, um, she and I were in tears. And even the surgeon was um, visibly upset. <clears throat> so that was that. But I, I just could not get my head around how he could say 14 days and eight days. Now, when the theatres were closed, we would be sent to the wards and because I was a theatre nurse, I would most often be sent to the surgical floor. Well, I was on the surgical floor on the eighth day and I was there when that lady came in and, and just as the surgeon said, she was extremely unwell. She didn't recognise me, but I knew who she was. And Adel, I was the nurse who laid her out on the 14th day. She died on the 14th day, just like he said she would. And that experience, along with other experiences in my nursing years, but that one sent me on a crusade and it sent me on a journey of wanting to know more, wanting to explore, uh, wanting to find a way where someone else didn't have the power to say, your numbers up on this day. So over the years, I searched and searched and I researched and I studied all different things to do with health, wellness, disease. Um, I went into fitness seriously myself 
and looked at the different ways that fitness impacts on your entire being. And eventually I became a personal trainer. I stepped away from the nursing because of injuries that I sustained from two car accidents. <clears throat> but it's funny how things happen. <laughs> and yeah, I just so. did a video on that word, happen, um, last night. So that led me down the path, a whole different path. But I continued my quest on health and wellness. Yeah. And I have a rather unusual gift. Okay. Um, before we I jump, may... in, before we jump yep. into that, I did want to ask, because I had a couple of questions, obviously, about the lady. Like, now, what was actually wrong with her? Why was her um, thing grey? Like, did, did you ever find out what that was, or was it just a wellness thing she wasn't looking after herself? No, the um, see, we went in to take what the surgeon was going to be one tumour, but once we opened her, he was saying that the cancer was riddled, um, that she had tumours everywhere, wow. and that's what the problem was in the augmentum. Wow, <clears throat> that's incredible. I, wow, so that's incredible. And then basically as you head down the path of health and wellness and became a personal trainer for the time being that you were doing that, what kind of inspired that change? Because going from theatre nurse to personal trainer, again, that's a, all the, like a, a change in career that drastic. I usually want to know what, what caused it. I was determined to teach people, educate and mentor people how to be well, how to change their health so that someone else didn't say, you've got X number of days or months to live. So I didn't go straight from nursing to personal training. I did go and do a couple of other things, but um, and they were still people orientated. And I guess that's a time frame where I was able to continue my thirst for knowledge, um, my thirst for wanting to know more about health and wellness. Wow, that's pretty cool. Okay, so you go from personal training to what it is that you do today, like, or is there like a little bit more of a road in between? Yeah, there was a road in between. The personal training was not enough. Um, it wasn't enough for what I wanted to do for people. I was very quickly nicknamed the weird trainer, the freak trainer, because I would spend time with my clients finding out more about them, finding out about what they were doing in their relationships, what they were doing in their life, what they were doing in their work and how was that affecting them because the gym was very quick to give me and I will be very kind here and say give me all the broken people because of my background so <laughs> all the clients that came in that had health issues or wellness issues were handballed to me um, so I sort of continued my nursing in a roundabout way in there but over those years I went still looking on my crusade to find more information on the wholeness of what I call wellness um, and I finally found an American gentleman, oh, actually, he might be Canadian, apologies. Um, his name's Mr. Paul Check, and I was over the moon when I found him because he talked about all the uh, ways that we are an integral being and how things all blend in together to then create the different physical issues that people might come up upon. And um, so I studied with him. Um, he was my mentor um, and I learned a lot more from him. And through that, I went looking at 
other philosophies like Buddhism, Hinduism. Um, you know, I reached out to all sorts of different things about the mind, about faith, uh, to expand on my knowledge and work. And my crusade was that I wanted to eventually become a speaker, mentor and educator uh, all about health and wellness. So here I am today as Shape Changer and doing my dream. That's incredible as a story and a journey in its own right. Now, my question really here is like, what would you say, especially when it comes down to health and wellness, would be the three common uh, mistakes people are making, especially in terms of their own health and wellness? Well, um, this is where it always gets titchy. People get their backs up very easily with this because they like to say that they take good care of themselves. They like to say that their relationship's really good. They like to say that they eat really healthy, but no, they don't. Okay. So I'd say the common mistake starts with not even knowing yourself, not even knowing who you are, what makes you tick, how you address things, how you respond to things, how you think, how you speak to yourself, how you speak to others. That's the first one. Okay. Um, and the second one is not putting any value on your health, which actually comes back to your respect for your life, but not putting value on your health. The number of people that I see in business and all around the place who aren't the least bit interested in health and wellness or fitness until something drastic happens and then they want a magic wand. Yeah, so, I've, I've noticed there's a lot of people that want that magic wand. Um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've lived through, like, there's a bunch of guys I used to train with that, like, um, you ask them, why, why are you here? And it's incredible what you find out. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, I started working out after I had a heart problem, after I was told I had this diagnosis or whatever it is. And it's incredible to watch um, how people transform their lives. Exactly. Exactly, and it's, it doesn't have to be that way. They don't have to put themselves through that, but it's because of those first two things that I was mentioning there. Um, and so I see it as a lack of respect. Uh, women are terrible at saying, oh, they haven't got time to look after themselves because they've got to do the housework, they've got to look after their kids, their kids come first. And I always say to them, well, who's going to look after your kids if you become very ill? Yeah, that's always one that I've actually noticed. And uh, again, not being sexist here in the slightest, but a lot of my friends that are women have actually said that, especially the ones that are mothers. Like, no, I don't have time to work out. I have to do this, this, and this. I'm like, when did the happiness of you stop being a happiness thing? I mean, um, yes, I get kids are important. I'm, I'm My mother's a woman, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> I definitely get where where people are coming from, but at the same but at the same time, I've always noticed and I've preached this to my own mother as I've done to so many of my friends, is if you don't look after your own happiness to begin with, how are you gonna make anyone else happy? Because if you're not a happy person, you're just blaming other people for your lack of happiness thereof. So kind of a catch twenty two, right? Yep, absolutely. And that would be my third one. Um, I suppose in some ways you could roll that into not knowing yourself, but happiness and love at all. Um, losing, so many people lose themselves for love or lose themselves in love. Yep. And as soon as you do that, you, you start to deteriorate every cell in your body. 
So, yeah, yeah, because you've literally, you compromise yourself. I say that a lot of people don't know their own personal values. So if you don't know your own personal values, you've got no idea of knowing whether you're living true to yourself or if you're living someone else's dream or walking in someone else's shoes. Yeah, that's, so, that's a fair statement because I've seen far too many people get um, caught up with the whole fact that they used to like something and now they don't. And I've always had this really strange saying amongst my friends, which is um, when you go into a relationship, I can't remember who first said this to me, but I remember hearing it and just going, wow, that is philosophy I believe in. Um, when you go into a relationship, you're either going to gain something or you're going to lose something. If you're the stronger of the two personality-wise, um, you will gain something. And that gain, like, you'll gain confidence, like, you'll share your confidence. Whereas if you're the weaker of the two, for whatever weakness is, you're more likely to drain the other person of something from them. So essentially, you either bring something to the table or you take it away. And um, it's so true. And you see that with, like, couples all the time. Like, a strong couple, you'll see they went from, yeah, no, I had this great life, I did this, this, and this, uh, and now I do all these amazing things, versus a couple that's kind of like, yeah, I used to be in great shape, and now, I don't know, Jimmy or Martha, whoever it is, uh, after dating them, I put on a few pounds. And uh, again, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of the whole thing where people go, you get relationship weight, because you don't. That's just stupidity, where you're, like, not looking after yourself anymore <laughs> that's right well, you've, well that that to me when someone does that it is a big indicator that there is something not right for you from the foundation of who you are there is something in that relationship that is not in alignment with the true you with what your personal values are or um, yeah your alignment of your soul so one of the talks that I do which um, always, people say you always cause people to go into tears, Gwenda, but you finish them with laughter. And I thank God for that. Um, <clears throat> but it's whose shoes do you walk in? And, um, you know, I take people down the pathway so they can see whether they're walking in their own shoes and are they walking in their own path or are they walking in someone else's shoes, hoping that that person is going to be able to provide them with everything they need in their life, which is is simply only going to end up in disaster um, one way or the other. I agree entirely. And something that's quite interesting because I can only speak about this from my own personal experiences. I mean, I've dated people in the past where I've put on weight very, very quickly. I've put on some weight, but then within three to six months of us still seeing each other, we turn it around. It's like that initial comfort weight is there. And then afterwards it just disappears. I believe what that what that just is is the fact that like you get a little comfortable, you get a little bit lazy, and then your senses kick in and go, "Dude, we 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 don't look or feel right right now. You you need to do something about this." <laughs> well, at least you see so you've come back into what that is is you've come back into alignment with yourself, whereas other people that just keep going, "Well, gee, um, I can't really do my button up. I'll just go and get a bigger size." oh, I can't do my button-up, I'll go and get a bigger size again, um, they are not even aware that they are so out of alignment. They're not comfortable. There is something amiss, whereas you and the rest of us that can do that are a lot stronger and go, no, hang on a minute, I need to pull back and I need to look after myself. Most so, 
Now, you said the word alignment a couple of times. I want to kind of get into this because, again, it's a word that's been thrown around the self-development industry, you know, all these other areas. I kind of want to get to the core of what do you mean by alignment? Because everyone has an alignment. I wholeheartedly believe that. But what is your definition of it? Well, if you're in alignment with something, you're congruent, you're equal, you're balanced. Um, so, for example, if I say to people in a workshop, uh, I'd like you to write down your personal values and the number of times at all that people have has been like looking in a classroom, you see them looking over at the next person like, oh, oh, what are they writing? And I think, yeah, well, it's, you don't know what your personal values are. So they'll list things about their partner, their husband, their, their kids or whatever like, Oh, my personal values are that my kids have a really good life. And I'm like, no, that's not a personal value. Oh, okay. okay. So they don't really get what a personal value is to start with, which is your very core of what is you. So you then, once you know your personal values, are you living those in alignment or are you not? So I say if, for example, one of your personal values is um, – uh, truth, being truthful person, but you're not speaking your truth because you think it's going to start a war in your household or it's going to cause your partner to leave you, then you're going to start having throat infections, you're going to start having tonsillitis, get a lot of um, <coughs> in, your, in your voice and having to clear your throat all the time because you're not in alignment. You're not living to your life, to your um, purpose or to your um, personal values. Does that make sense? Entirely. Have you actually read the book by Ines Siegel, I think it is? The Secret no. of the Body Language, The Secret of the Body or something like that? It's an amazing book. A friend of mine recommended it to me a while ago. Um, actually, it was last year because I had a, um, my left wrist felt like it was broken. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It was just sprained really badly, but I, I couldn't, like, I've had sprains and broken bones for a long time in my life. And usually I kind of just, you know, get up, walk it off, and fine. But this time, I couldn't do it. Like, this time I was just like, no matter what I did, my wrist would just get worse. And I couldn't understand why for, for a really, really long time. And then a friend of mine told me to get this book, and they read it to me, and they told me to get it. So I got my own copy of the book. It was absolutely amazing. I recommend everyone else check it out. Um, what was incredible about that, incredible about that was how you emotionally feel actually tells yes. you how your body reacts. So for me, um, my left wrist hurting was actually the feeling of me being chained to a situation I didn't want to be in. And it was an emotional feeling. Yep. So it's like, you're emotionally yep. feeling constrained. You don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. And I was like, wow. Um, so as soon as I unshackled myself from whatever it was in that time, I won't go into detail what it was, my wrist stopped hurting three days after. Three yep, days after I ended this, it was just like, wow, my wrist has stopped hurting. It's incredible. Yep. So now, I, that's um, the teachings that I do, Adol, is, is to get people to understand what is that pain about? What What is it that's wrong in your life that you're not in alignment with and on a deep value, on a deep level, but what is it that you're feeling that's your body trying to tell you? That's really true. Now, I have a question because, again, this may sound stupid, but again, it's just something like I'd rather people know this because I know I've had this question several times in the past. 
Um, when you're writing down what your life, you know, not your life purpose, but what, you, what your truth is, what you stand for, your life values, how do you find them? Because like I've had it where people, well, you gave an example of truth. Like one of my life values, I'm still trying to figure out what is my life value? What do I believe in here? What is, what is something I truly want to do? And it's really hard for me to like narrow that down and write it down somewhere. Well, that's really interesting because there's a quite a difference there between um, your personal values and what is it that you actually want to do in your life because your personal values are more about what is it uh, that's integral to you that makes you you. Does integrity matter to you? Does loyalty matter to you? Um, faithfulness, truth, um, are those are the sort of things that are personal values. Whereas when you're looking for what is it in my life or what is it that I want to believe in, that's a whole nother conversation. Agreed. Because um, I have that a lot. Um, I, I have the integrity is a huge part of my life values. But again, with what I want to do, integrity does play a big part in that. It just doesn't mean that everyone else is going to play that same level. <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> and that's what makes you unique and that's that's why it is a personal value to you not everybody is faithful not everybody is truthful so you can't run those words off and everyone go oh yeah yeah that's me because no it's not um, very different I had a lady in one of my workshops I was running about um, setting intentions See, setting intentions and daily practices is another thing that's been banted around the uh, self-development and the spiritual world in these last couple of years, just about done it to death. But people don't actually get what setting an intention is and what is an intention to start with. So this lady was telling me about her personal values and how she lives to them. So when I questioned her on what had happened in her workplace that day, she said, oh, so I'm not living to my values. I said, well, you tell me. If what's happening in your workplace to you and how you're feeling and you want to sit there and tell me that you know how to set intentions and you're living to your values, would you like to have a look at that again? And she was really quite taken aback. She said, well, I really thought that I was, but clearly I'm not. No, that's right. Huh. That is quite mm. interesting. Now, it is. It's awesome. So, from that, what would you say would be the best practice for someone to actually start living their truth? If you were to give any sorts of advice for that. I suggest that they sit down first with a journal and they start to write about themselves. So they need to actually write about themselves and how they feel about themselves and what they understand of themselves. And when they start to go down the path of, oh, oh I, I'm not like this because um, um, my dad or they reflect to a family member, I pull them up and say, that's not you. So you can put that on a different page. So you really need to sit down and fine tune your understanding of yourself to start with. And that's got to come from your heart. It can't come from... Um, the conscious mind per se it needs to be from your soul speak um, and that takes some time too 
So fishing inward and finding out who you really are, writing that down, it's not something that you can do in 10 minutes. What do you understand of yourself? And what are the things that you feel extremely passionate about? What are the things that really drive you to want to go forward in your life? And that's, again, all about part of self-discovery. And then start to look at your values and make a list of what your personal values are. And then have a look and see if you're living them. So are you actually living your truth? Are you living faithfully? Are you faithful to yourself? Because that's the big thing about personal values. Are you living them because they belong to you? So you're not living them for someone else. You live them by the way you are in your life. See, if I don't like someone, if I meet somebody and um, I don't get the right vibe or um, the right energy with them, then I'm courteous, but I walk away. I don't keep standing there for my energy to be drained or, or to be supposedly polite because that actually goes against my personal values of truth, honesty, loyalty. Hmm. That's incredible. That is incredible. So it's just like so interesting to me to actually go into this kind of uh, field of talk because far, far few people ever actually sit down and think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the thing is that what I've discovered over the years is when you get right down into this, that's where you can unlock every pain, every illness, and if you happen to have a disease, you can unlock it and reverse it. So that's why I'm so, so determined to make a mark in the world of helping people know that whatever they have created on their physical self or even their mental well-being, they've created it. So I like to take them down a path and show them why, why they've created it and how they've created it and then how they can be free of it. That's actually the ultimate truth, though, to be fair, to be free. I mean, just to go back a little bit of ways, because you actually mentioned this, and something that I do quite often is um, the struggle. I used to be addicted to the struggle of things. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, if it wasn't hard, it wasn't worth doing. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that, that was the, <laughs> the mentality that was, like, drummed into my head for a really long time. It was a friend of mine that actually sat me down about a year and a half, two years ago, I think it was. It was either 2016 or 2015. It was at some point. They sat me down and they just said, look, you're addicted to the struggle. I was like, what? They're like, everything you do in your life seems to be like a a hassle. There isn't anything that is easy in your life. I was like, no, my life's easy. They're like, no, it's not. It's like you are unconsciously attracting drama to yourself, whether Mm. that's with the people that you're with, whether that's the person you're seeing, whether that's the work you're doing. You put yourself in an uncharacteristically dramatic area or arena in your life just so you can feel some sort of excitement from it. The truth (laughs) is, and it was a disease for me, it was. What changed for me massively was understanding what I love. And what I love is a good fight. I'm always down for a good fight. I love good competition. I love a good scrap. It's my little way of like living. It's just the way my brain's always programmed. Rather than seeking out a struggled arena that I need to be a part of that causes me stress, rather what we started to do was they took me back to one of my favorite books by uh, Robert Greene, The 33 Strategies of War. 
And one of the strategies of war there is to declare self-war on yourself to go do things. And that war strategy is simple. And that is, um, that is called death ground. Death oh. ground is putting yourself into a, backing yourself into a corner to fight harder than you usually do. But doing it in a way that doesn't cause self or cause self harm or struggle amongst self, and the way they did this very very simply was I'd set self constrained deadlines with uh, mm. with a loss at the end if I didn't succeed. So for instance, it would be simple. Um, yes, it's a quote unquote struggle, but it's less of a struggle. It's not one that's actually like a huge thing. Where it's like um, I wake up in the morning dreading it and all that. The other, it's more or less. I have an hour to finish up this direct mail piece or this email sequence for this client. Otherwise, I have to donate money to a campaign fund for someone I really don't like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> Especially when you kind of stand against your core values. You're like, man, do I really want to give that guy $100? No, 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 I don't. All right. There goes, there, there goes like, oh, no, uh, what's it called? <laughs> Oh, what's called intolerance amongst people out the window. Oh. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so crazy. And I'm saying this all while an election is going down in the UK, which is even better. So, um, <laughs> always brilliant. Like, th that's the craziness of it all in life. People are addicted to struggle, and essentially, I think, because we're forced... Well, it's twofold. We're addicted to struggle, but we're also, like, my generation, um, unfortunately, we're addicted to participation trophies as well. Ah, yes. That that yeah. phrasing, at least I tried. I hate that yeah. term. Three times, yeah. that's one of the phrases that really pisses me off with people when they go, at least I tried. I'm like, then why didn't you fucking succeed? <laughs> yes, oh, and I, where's I, your champion's trophy? <laughs> yeah, I got this medal for, like, trying. I'm like, what, for showing? Fuck off. Go go do something. <laughs> like, in, in the sport that I train in, which is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, you get four medals, usually. You get... First, gold, second, silver, and two bronze medals, right? Yeah. Now, here's the way it, it goes. A lot of the divisions, a lot of the heavy guys, a lot of lighter guys, they only get a couple of fights in, so there's sometimes only enough to get them their medals, regardless of if they win, lose, or draw. I'm in the weight category, like the three weight categories I fit in. On average, you have to have a good three or four fights before you even get a goddamn medal. And you wow. gotta have like five before you get gold. So you gotta go through five separate people to win a championship. So you know if you walk away with gold, you fought your heart out to get there. Yeah. yeah. And that that's the way I always look at it. It's like that you have you have to train, you have to prepare, you have to be mentally ready, you have to have all these other ingredients. And a lot of people don't do that. They kind of just show up and think, I participated, I deserve this. I tried, struggled, and failed. I deserve something. No, you deserve to go back to the gym and work your ass off again to get in shape, and then you can come back and say that you deserve something. That's right. Yeah, I'm with you. It's a load of rubbish, this participation trophy nonsense. And that's something that I like to say to people when I was doing one-on-one -on -one clients. How much are you participating in your life? And they look at me blankly like, what do you mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I see. I can see how much you're not participating in your life. Um, you know, blame, no responsibility, just rolling up for the day but not actually participating. Um, so you could say the same thing. You're not a champion of your life because you're just, you're just looking for a fake trophy. 
And you've exactly. done jack shit. <laughs> you've done jack shit to deserve it. Exactly. You haven't done anything to actually kick ass. You haven't done anything that's worthy to be called a champion. And again, no. you know, people have that, and it's it's irritating, but it is what it is. So, mm. with that being said, like one of my favorite questions I love to ask on the show is like, say someone has had their not their confidence completely knocked out of them, right? Mm-hmm. Like they don't know what they like. It's the worst feeling they've ever had. They're knocked on the rass. They don't know what's going on. What would you suggest would be the best thing they could do to reclaim their confidence? Mm. When you've really been knocked around, and I can say I've been there, um, you know, I have to say it is something that comes from within that you just know you're worth getting past this, your worth, your life is worth living. So for me, it's because I, I would say I've got a very strong inner being, a very strong soul. So it's probably easy for me to say that. I must have said I didn't enjoy being in that position at the time. But a lot of people these days, Adel, I don't know about over there, but the young ones here don't seem to have that same internal strength so if it was someone like that, they would actually need to find themselves um, a soul buddy, a mentor, someone who can guide them and help them out. Because to be honest, the people, the young ones I've worked with, they actually can't do it on their own. Yep. So I wouldn't be able to say, oh, go off and breathe, go off and go for a walk, go and eat something good. It's not going to work with um, the people that just don't have that internal fortitude. Right. I agree with you entirely there because there are a lot of people I do know that don't have that. Um, Like when someone says to you, well, I don't know about you, but like I've had this with a friend recently that is in that situation. I was like, what do you love to do? They're like, I used to love making cakes. Now I don't. I'm like, yeah, but I didn't ask you what you used to love doing. I love what, what do you love to do now? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, you live in a time where everything is limitless. There is a potential greater now than any other time in history, and you're telling me that you're bored, you don't know what's going on, you're depressed. It, like, And this is someone that's a really good friend of mine. I even, like, I'll play little games with them, try and get them out of their funk. Like, I'll send them a message saying, tell me three things that you're grateful for. And this is how fucked their, their worldview is, right? They would tell me three things they're grateful for, and then immediately follow up with something really shitty. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, that just negates everything you just said, you dumb motherfucker. Just go back to what I asked you. There's a very specific reason I asked you for three things. Yeah. So it, it, my answer then is, uh, so you're pretty happy with the shit you've got yourself in then, eh? And they look at me like, well, that's just mean, Gwenda. And I say, well, no, because clearly you want to stay where you are. Yeah. People don't want to move. No, they want to wallow. They want to wallow. So I say to them, my next question is, in the circumstance you're talking about, I'd say to them, how's this serving you? And they hate that. They get really, their back gets up. They're like, what do you mean serving me? And I go, well, you are. Everything you're doing here, you're doing for a reason. So best you look at it and see what the hell it is. You're serving. I don't like being like this, so I'll go down a similar path as what you've mentioned there and say, okay, well, what is it that you, what is it you want to be doing? 
well, I'd like to be doing this, but I can't. I'd like to be doing that, but that's not going to happen. Oh, yeah, okay then. So you're pretty happy with all your answers. How's it serving you? Oh, I'm going to totally use that to annoy them. That's totally <laughs> the wrong attitude to have, I know, but it's still funny to me, so I'm okay with that. Though what really made me laugh, though, was uh, what makes me laugh about people... Well, as an idea for someone that is in my generation, you can tell me whether or not I'm in the right path when people are going through the whole situation where they're feeling knocked down or whatever it is. Um, what is it that... What I love to ask people to do is three things, especially if they feel like they can't do anything. And I've noticed that a lot with people up to about the age of 28, they just, or even 30, I'm like 27 turning 28. Um, people have this whole perception that they, that everything that is right now is the ultimate final form of what it is. So I always try and get people to write down, okay, if you could change three things today, for the rest of your life, what would it be? Do you want more money, more happiness, more sex, more relationships? What is it that you want? You get them to write it down. And I say, great. Now, what type of person would you have to be to get those? And I go, okay, great. Now, write, write down what type of person you are right now. Great. So, compare the three. Yeah. And then it's like a little light bulb that goes off in their mind with a light oh shit, I'm unconfident, I'm really shy, I don't know what's going on, but the person that gets all these things, they're confident, they're understanding, they're emotionally connected, they're this, they're this, they're this. Okay, cool, now I'll go do that. And it's just helping them find a pathway. But in reality, and again, like you said, finding a soul buddy is probably one of the best things you can do, and that is go... I always tell people to do something you love to do with people you love to do it with. Like for me, it's playing video games with my best friends. That's yeah. a great way of getting me out of the situation. Or, simultaneously, if you're one of those people that's quite constantly in a good mood and then you have, like, a really bad, shitty slip somewhere, yeah. your best thing is get a good friend and just say, listen, I don't want any solutions. I just want to bitch. Can I bitch for a moment? They're like, okay. And just bitch <laughs> for a half an hour. But here's the, here's, here's the key difference. Don't bitch constantly. Bitch one time, and on the second time, look for the solution. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you keep bitching, you end up in a cycle. And and then while you're bitching, actually participate, listen to what you're saying. Because this is where I find a lot of people are out of out of kilter or out of alignment again. Half the time they're not even aware of what they're saying. They're not even in tune with themselves. So if you're going to bitch, listen to what you're saying. And nine times out of ten you'll be like, oh, shit, Wow. What am I whinging about that for or what am I bitching about that for? Because when you verbalise something out loud, it's quite different to just thinking it going round in merry-go-rounds in your head. So when it actually comes out and you, you've got all your different senses with it, it takes a different form, do you think? Entirely. It's when, mm. you, when, it's when you step back and see it. Yeah, yeah. So if you're going to bitch and you're going to bitch that second time, make sure you're listening or I hit you around the head with a cricket bat. Yep. That that's actually <laughs> a very violent but very true thing to say. <laughs> well, people are don't just don't get out of their own way at all. They just they don't want to. They they like to be in that shithole that they've got themselves in. They like to create more wallow for themselves instead of going, you know what, I've had enough of this. I'm going to turn things around. I'm gonna do those things that Adol said, I'm gonna write them down or that Gwenda's asked me to do. 
and I'm going to act on it because that's the other thing. You can get people to write stuff till the cows come home, but do they act on it? No. Yeah, that's the other thing. If you can't act on it, why are you still here? <laughs> that's right. Get out of my face. I'm going to have a cheese sandwich. Move over. Yeah, exactly. Just enjoy the life and have fun with it. Now, my favorite question of all time on this show is asking... Now, usually I ask for a certain type of group, but I'm going to go everyone, everyone included, because what you do is so encompassing of all areas of life. I'm just going to go with it. What three pieces of advice would you give someone that is stuck in a rut and can't grow from there? What three pieces of advice would you give that specific to that person? Stuck in a rut, can't go anywhere. <clears throat> I would suggest that they choose one thing that they would change first thing in the morning when they wake up. So when they first wake up, ask themselves, like, where am I at? Do I want to change that? So find one thing they want to change the minute they wake up. So is it their attitude? Is it the habit of picking up the phone or going, you know, on social media or making a coffee? Choose one thing to change from the moment you wake up. Add in into that space where you take something out. Add in a walk. Get outside. And I don't care if it's bleak and it's snowing over there. Get outside and get the fresh air moving through your whole system. And check in with your thoughts while you're doing that. The next thing would be to have a look at how you're feeling when you're spending time with your friends. Because you know the old thing of you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. So have a look at what you're doing. Who are you spending time with and is that serving you? Is that helping you where you are at the time? And then... Really step up and be honest with what it is that you want because if you've got yourself in a rut, you've put yourself there through action or inaction, you've put yourself there because there is something that's been going on that you're really not happy with. It's like you with your wrist. There is something that you've driven yourself into that rut. So jolly well step forward and be honest with yourself about what it is you're not happy about and make a decision to change it. Yep. That's very true. Very true. Hmm. I really feel it's all about, it comes back to my first point about knowing yourself. And if you haven't spent the time to really get to know yourself, like I watch a lot of young women here in their 20s and they're all busting their, busting their gizzards to... Yeah, um, thank you, um, to become these amazing entrepreneurs because, you know, that's what everybody wants to be these days. And they place themselves in competition with others. They place themselves into very high-stress positions um, of trying to achieve when they're not ready to achieve because they don't have a foundation of themselves to start with. And then it becomes anxiety, overwhelm, headaches, all sorts of things. So my, my real go-to thing is, for God's sake, spend some time 
understanding yourself. Because if you can't understand yourself, you're never going to be able to understand someone else or why life is serving things up to you. Yeah, I, I can see that. It's one of those things that far too many people don't actually do. And to be fair, one of my favorite, if, if I may also ask this extra added question to you, what would you say would be your best three books to recommend for someone to go read? Oh, wow. Um, I've got so many favorites. Um, that's a really tough one at all because I have got some awesome favorite books. And they're always about uh, wellness and being well. So one of them is about breaking daily habits, how to break habits. I love that book. Uh, that now, book? I knew you were going to ask me that. I can't tell you at the moment, but I'd be happy to send it to you. Wait, what's the uh, title called? How to Break Habits Daily. How to Break Habits. This is why we have technology. It's awesome. Uh daily okay yeah and that is if i'm not mistaken that is uh author sorry just quickly type in author um wow this is is it called a habit change workbook by sherry patrick uh, no no this is a male um it's a male author okay his, his book is amazing because he actually shows you where those habits have come from. Uh, that's why I love it because it's got the why component to it, like I like to teach why, why this has come about. Um, my other favourite book and, and a go-to book is one of Wayne Dyer's, Wayne Dyer's books. Oh, nice. Uh, and that's more along the spiritual path because I am a visionary and I'm able to see things and connect with angels and speak and hear and see them. Um, so a lot of Wayne Dyer's stuff resonates with me very much. Um, what, would you say, what would you say would be your favourite Wayne Dyer book or program? Because for me it's 101 Ways to Transform Your Life. That's always been one of my favourite things to listen to. Ah, now you mentioned a cat, Adil. I've got one screaming at the door. Could I possibly just run and let it out? Oh yeah, by all means, go for it. Thank you. But yeah, guys, while we're here waiting for Gwen to get back, I still can't find this book title. If I find it, I'll put it in the description underneath. Uh, on the website, as always, you'll find this on adelamarcy.com forward slash podcast. Um, you guys can see it there. If you're on iTunes, just quickly go into the website. You'll find all the resources and stuff in the comment section below. Uh, but yeah, if we don't find it and, and someone else knows what it is, please send it over. But I'm sure we'll pretty much get it right from Gwenda soon enough. Now, as always, thank you as uh, for being here, guys. We really, really appreciate it. I think Gwenda's going to be back in just a moment. I am. I'm back. Thank you. Um, he gets very cranky when he can't get out when he wants to. So one of my other favourite books is How to Get from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be by Jack Canfield. Okay. And another one is The Brain's Way of Healing. Now, this is not a book that I would recommend for someone only just starting perhaps uh, to find themselves because this is a pretty intense book uh, with a lot of physiology in it, but 
it's a favourite of mine. So the brain's way of healing. Okay, the brain's way of healing. Cool. Um, yeah. Cool. That's amazing. So do you mind if I give you three of my favourite books? I'd love you to. Thank you. Okay, so one of my favourite books of all time to read... Um, I always recommend his work as a bulk, and that is Robert Greene. So we'll discount Robert Greene's books for the time being because all of his books are amazing. I love them all. So I'll give you three of my favorite self-development books that I've ever read. And there's a new one on that list, a really, really new one. It's called Tools of the Titans by Tim Ferriss, which is more like a collection of self-development, health, wellness, wealth, everything. It covers everything inside this book. It's like every great person he's spoken to condensed into one uh, amazing book. That's book number one. Book number two is Daring Greatly by Brienne, uh, by Brienne Brown or Brienne Brown. Uh, yes, yeah, I know um, that one. Yeah, the, that's a book I'm just starting to go through right now. It's really good, like really yeah. interesting. Um, of course, it helps a lot more with me being vulnerable. I really, really love that book. And the third book um, is kind of an oldie. A few people actually don't know about it, which is kind of strange to me. But it's called The Secret Code of Success by Noah St. John. I know that book. Yeah. Yeah. Noah's a pretty good dude. I've not spoken to him in a while, actually. I should really get him on the show. But what he does is he actually goes in there and talks about something called affirmations, not affirmations. Basically, it's using the same term of affirmations, but using them in terms of questions versus just using them for statements. Yeah. Yep. It's really interesting to see what comes up. So those are my three recommendations. Lovely. Great. Okay, so... Gwenda, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the on the show as always. Um, but yeah, I mean, any last words that you want to say before we part? Oh, people, please just know that any pain, any illness, you've created it, you can uncreate it, and live a life that's full of just love, honour, and, and thrill. Really make your life a thrilling place to be. And if you are in a rut, God's sake, get up and out of it because that's not what your life's meant to be. Um, and other than that, Adil, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been an absolute thrill to speak with you. Um, yeah, thank you very, very much. Thank you for being here and sharing your story with us. Guys, go check out shapechanger.com.au today and uh, just get in touch with Gwenda. I'm sure you'll actually really enjoy the conversations you guys have. Um, Gwenda, thanks again for being here. And guys, I'll see you on the next next week's episode. Awesome. Good night.